0: Hello and welcome to episode number 466 of Smart Podcast Trashy Book. Amanda and I are back for what I am calling part three of AMA with Amanda and Sarah. We are going to chat about our favorite recipes, cooking blogs, cookbooks, seasonal rereading, contemporary cozy mysteries, trends, and adventure romance recommendations. All of these questions are brought to us by our Patreon community. Hello and thank you to Brawler, Sherry, Norette, Amanda, and Laura B for these questions. If you would like to join our Patreon community and participate in our next Ask Us Anything, please have a look at patreon.com smartfetches Monthly pledges of $1 a month help keep the show transcribed, accessible, and going every week. Thank you again to our Patreon community. You are all awesome. This podcast is also brought to you by Ritual, a vegan-friendly multivitamin delivered to your door that's formulated with high-quality nutrients and bioavailable forms that your body can actually use. I like knowing what's in my vitamins, and I like knowing what is not in my vitamins. Ritual does not contain sugars, GMOs, major allergens, synthetic fillers, or artificial colorants. I also like knowing the supply chain of each ingredient, which is not something I've thought much about, and the supply chain is printed on the packaging. There's also information about how some ingredients were developed to be vegan-friendly. I like that it doesn't make me nauseated, and as soon as I finish a bottle, hello, a new one has arrived on the porch. I can start, snooze, or cancel my subscription at any time. Now available for women, men, and teens, Ritual multivitamins are scientifically developed to help support different life stages. Get key nutrients without the BS. Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com Sarah to start your ritual today. This podcast is also brought to you by Headspace. If you have tried meditation before and felt like it didn't work, or maybe like you were doing it wrong, have a look at Headspace, especially if mental health is part of your self-care plan this year. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy to use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So, whatever the occasion, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has 30-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down meditations that Amanda and their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Since I started using Headspace, my day goes a little easier when I start with meditation – and I've meditated nearly every morning. I feel pretty great. I also love the Focus music collection in the Headspace app. I love the variety, and I love the curated playlists. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule, anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com Sarah. That's headspace.com slash Sarah for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash Sarah today. Heads up to my... Fellow menstruating humans, I have some frank body talk and a nifty new thing to tell you about. This episode is brought to you in part by FlexFit, a better way to have a period. If you're like me, making sure you have menstrual supplies can be a little bit of an anxious chore. I never realize I'm out until I need one right that minute. And I've been wanting to try reusable menstrual options, but I had no idea where to start. I need something I can depend on that won't make me feel wasteful and that, you know, protects my clothing. But if you want a period product that looks out for your body, your lifestyle, and the planet, you've got to try Flex. Flex is innovating period care with products that are body safe, made for comfort, and made to keep you moving, and they have options. There's the Flex Disc, which is a one-time-use menstrual disc that fits perfectly inside your body. One Flex disc can be worn for up to 12 hours and holds as much as three super tampons. It's not a cup and it's better than a tampon. It is unlike any period product you've ever seen before. And if you want to go zero waste and have the planet love you even more, pick up the Flex Cup, which is a reusable menstrual cup that Cosmo rated number one. The patented pull tab makes the Flex Cup the only cup on the market that removes like a tampon. It's so easy. You already know how to use it. It is disability-friendly. It is made with beginners in mind. It is velvety soft, completely body-safe, and it will last for years. I am so excited to have a reusable product that works for me. My favorite part of the flex experience are the helpful videos, in-depth diagrams, gift sets, and flex experts available to walk you through the entire process. You will never go back to products from the past once you try Flex. So say goodbye to cramps and lend Mother Nature a hand. Go to flexfits.com slash Sarah and use code Sarah for 20% off Flex Disc Starter Kits or 10% off your first Flex Cup plus free U.S. shipping. That's code Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at com slash Sarah. We will, of course, link to all of the books and recipes and TV shows and videos that we mention in this episode in the show notes. But let's get on with this episode. Me and Amanda have a lot to talk about. On with the podcast. (laughs)
1: Because,
0: you know, having that stuck in your head after one episode was enough, but now there's more.
1: I woke up with Dolly Parton's Nine to Five stuck in my
0: head. Ooh, that's one. I woke up with Fergalicious.
1: Interesting. Which I have not
0: heard in many. It's not even like it was on the satellite radio when I was in the car for two seconds. (laughs) I haven't heard that song in forever. But I had Fergalicious stuck in my head. It was very strange.
1: Yeah, I don't know why 9 to 5 was stuck in my head. Also, wonderful movie, love it to death. Also love Dolly Parton. But n- nothing I had done previously It's not like you heard related, it, right? Yeah, it was related to anything.
0: Do you ever catch your brain thinking about something and you're just like, okay, why are we thinking about this? Oh, all the time. Like, what? What? what, what is the synaptic connection that led us hear brain? Could you just trace that back for me? Because why are we thinking about this? I'm so confused.
1: I mean, I know it's silly, but it was <laughs> it's like uh, my brain has a mind of its own, but really it does. Right? No, it really
0: does. I mean, if you yeah. can, if you are Olympic champion overthinkers, your brain is ready to do its own thing at any moment.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. I'm way good at it. Well, there's that's, no choice. No brain's going to engage.
1: Brain's going to brain.
0: Yep. And sometimes you get weird, weird songs stuck in your head. And the song that's in your head when you wake up can be very bizarre like was i dreaming about the song what in the world
1: i don't know and it's also i think we've talked about this too the capacity of the brain yeah to remember songs from like 20 years ago holy
0: crap we've done multiple episodes about but how yet, well we remember some random I routinely shit.
1: Forg- like i routinely go to the grocery store and forget the one thing that i was supposed to get <laughs> And bought a bunch of other shit. And then I get home and I'm like, damn fuck, it. I went out to get flour and I didn't get flour.
0: But here I've got a 48 ounce jar of mayonnaise. So that's good.
1: And I can remember the song that was playing in my grandmother's car on the way to elementary school. No. And I remember everyone thought I was a weirdo because my grandmother would listen to oldies. So as an elementary school student, I never listened to, like, a lot of pop music. I remember, like, like Crocodile Rock by Elton John. Like, everyone was, like, listening to whatever was popular in, like, 1996.
0: Oh, but, my gosh. Like, I can remember that. Do you want to know the per- the first pop song that I can remember being aware of like the first popular song that wasn't like my parents listening to the oldies or whatever.
1: Mambo number five.
0: No, I'm too old for that. (laughs) No, unfortunately. And and it wasn't even Mambo number one. (laughs) Adam once had a trivia question was name all of the women in Mambo number five. And between him and the other people on the team, they got it. And I was really proud. And also. Sandra, Rita, Rita,
1: Rita—all I need. A little bit of Tina,
0: Tina, Jessica,
1: Jessica. Yep.
0: (laughs) See, there's your book series right there. You have to write a one book for every woman in Mambo Number Five.
1: (laughs) But like, don't don't like mention it. Just Just do it. Yeah. Catches on that the five books in the series are the Mambo Number Five
0: ones. Yeah. Well, we'll see if anyone notices. no the first song that I remember being aware of as popular was the original Africa by Toto which was 1982 so I was that is seven
1: Eric's favorite song okay oh uh, our second date <laughs> we were at a bar oh boy with two of his friends we as you do Eric and Eric goes to the bathroom. Leaving me with his two friends and we're talking.
0: And I mean, Africa, you gotta go, you gotta go, right?
1: Africa comes on and his friend is like, Oh my god, where's Eric? This is his favorite song. <laughs> and literally, like a second later, Eric is running out of the bathroom. <laughs> as if he had to finish what he was doing real fast because Africa was on. And he's like, This is my favorite song.
0: Well, you you can experience it in the bathroom. It's it it's still your favorite song if you're peeing.
1: Yeah, so that's what I think. <laughs> Af- Africa is a very good song. The Weezer cover, I think, is garbage.
0: So, all right. So there's Angela, Pamela, Sandra, Rita, and Rita. Monica, Erica, Rita again, Tina, Sandra again, Mary, Rita, and Rita Jessica. And
1: Sandra really must have made an impression.
0: They they really did. They don't listen to Toto in the bathroom.
1: Also, Lubin is German. He's a German musical artist.
0: Well, bless him. That's yeah. awesome. But that how many, how many is that? That's like a nine book series. You could get a serious yeah. a serious uh, backlist going just by writing a story for each of the Mambo Number no. Five ladies.
1: Yeah, you're welcome to this
0: idea, there. everyone. You're more than welcome to it.
1: Yeah, we don't need credit or anything. No, but just go. If you if you do make it, we want to know.
0: Yeah. Oh, please, please yeah. let us know the Mambo Number no. Five series and what you decide to call it, other than the Mambo Number no. Five series. Yeah. Maybe it'd be like Mambo Number no. Four.
1: Well, there's nine of them, so should it shouldn't be like Mambo Number no. Nine. Well. Yeah. What Come if they're all like competitive ballroom dancers?
0: Oh, snap. Man, that could be really cutthroat. But then they still need more than five mambos if they're competitive ballroom dancing.
1: Well, they can do other – they could do, like, the salsa. Jonsha. Yeah. Foxtrot. All sorts of – yeah. Bust up. There you go. Yep. Look, the series has written itself, people. You just we're, need to –
0: We're here for you. Mm-hmm. Dancing with Louis Vega. Yep.
1: I don't even know how we got on this topic.
0: I don't even know. <laughs> No idea. So Laura B asks, "What is your favorite recipe blog or cookbook lately?" This is such a good question. I love this question.
1: Yeah, Sarah could probably talk about this for like a good forty minutes on her own.
0: Yes, because not only do I, I I meal plan and menu plan, but I like trying new recipes because I also get bored of things easily. So to yeah. make it to, for a recipe to make it onto the I'm going to make this a lot, it has to be really really good. Um, but it's also like a basic. So every other Tuesday we'll do burgers, but I can do a lot yeah. of different things with burgers and fries. So they for put me, mayonnaise on them. Yes, exactly. And the fries too. We yeah. have tried every single kind of frozen French fry in the quarantine's.
1: What is your favorite kind of fry? You got a steak fry, you got a waffle fry. Oh, okay. So
0: I like sweet potato fries, but I'm more okay. into regular potato fries. I like a big fat crinkle cut with a good coating because there's a crispy and a, a pillowy inside, and there's more yeah. room for topping, and the topping will just sort of hold on to it. And if you're gonna make fries as a base of something else like poutine, you want the mm-hmm. waffle fries to hold in the ingredients, yeah. sort of like spiral pasta and holding in the sauce. Yeah. Um, but the best fries that we have found, and I will verify this with with, with Adam if he's not, <laughs> if he's not on a call. What are the frozen fries we like? I want to say it's um,
1: – I love a curly, curly seasoned
0: fry. Oh, That's yeah. But they fry. have to be well cooked. They can't just be a yeah. gooey – like they have to – They can't
1: be soggy. They it have to sort of
0: – like. I'm, nobody can see me moving my arms. But they have to sort of been able to dance in the oil and spread out and get crispy yeah. all the way around. Orida extra crispy fast food fries. They are not ridged or waffled or you know, they're not ribbed for your regular like a McDonald's. No, they're just straight, but they have a really good coating that when you bake them in the oven they get good and crispy. And they can actually
1: I like a crispy fry. Like I love like if you go to fast food restaurants, I like the little tiny crispy bits that always wind up at the bottom of like the fry pack.
0: I went to college with a girl, I went to a women's college, so it was all people identifying (laughs) as women's. I went to college with a girl who had a whole life philosophy about the fries at the bottom of the bag. That you think you're done, and if you go looking, there's always one more good thing. There's always one fry in the bottom of the bag. There's always a French fry in the bottom of the paper bag. And if my friend Claudia from college is listening to this, she is now screaming the name of this person because <laughs> we heard this theory a lot. That there's always something to look forward to. There's always something more. When you think you finish finished something, there's always one more fry in the bottom of the bag. And it's the best fry because it's got all the salt on it.
1: Yes best fry. It's totally
0: the best fry. I am corrected. The extra crispy Orida crinkles are also good, but the kids don't like okay. crinkle fries, so we don't get those as much. Okay. So if, if you're going for frozen fries, Orida is our is our brand of choice. But because I menu plan, I am always looking for new recipes. So I subscribe to the America's Test Kitchen, Cooks Country, Cooks Illustrated website collection. I want to say it was like thirty bucks for the year. It wasn't horrible. But the, I feel
1: like they often have like deals.
0: Yeah, they'll they'll have a deal and there's always some kind of coupon or deal somewhere. But the thing I like about it right now is that they have a rotation of their published cookbooks that they will mix into the available online recipes. You can search the recipes of a specific cookbook and start trying them out. I also borrow a lot of cookbooks from the library to try them out because nothing is more annoying than thinking, oh, I'm going to get this cookbook. And there's like one thing you make in it. Yeah. That's annoying. So the Test Kitchen Cooks Country Cooks Illustrated website is pretty great. And I also did a post with Shayna about Nigelissima, which will be out uh, by the time this episode comes out. It'll be out.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, it comes out. It comes out this the week. The week that we're recording this.
0: Yes, it comes out this week. So Nigelissima is Nigella Lawson. Lawson. Turned all the way up to 11 and a half. <laughs> this show is porn. It is pu- or nuh. It is porn with three syllables. The cookbook was not as good as the show, but the show was amazing. Like Shayna and I just exclaimed at each other about it. And there's only seven episodes, so you have to portion them out carefully. You have
1: to savour them, you have
0: to savour them, but trust me, they're worth savouring. The music is porn music. It is incredible. There is one part where she keeps all of her licorice in a black tackle box and then goes into her suggestively lit pantry in black satin pajamas and pulls out this like BDSM box and 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 then shows off. Box all... like
1: that of licorice.
0: Yes, it is full of licorice. It is incredible. I love it. So Nigelissima on BritBox. BritBox is a subscription. It's, I want to say, seven bucks a month. I think there's a month free trial. And there's, if you like British murder show, there's like all of them. All of them are there. The I you think you've done
1: a post on BritBox.
0: I right? have done a post on BritBox, yeah. yes. Jane and I both are BritBox people. The cookbook for Nigel Lisa, I borrowed from the library it was not as good as the show, but the show came up with some great recipes that we've already tried. So those are my suggestions right now. What about you? Okay.
1: So mostly I search online for things that, like, you know, like, I have this right now. What can I do with
0: Oh, this? see, yeah, I I understand completely.
1: Yeah. So my all time favorite is smitten kitchen because like their directory that they have of recipes is so helpful. You can search by like, uh, what sort of meal you're looking for, breakfast, whatever. Yeah. If you want something more like veggie focused or what, like, it's so helpful. And there are several recipes that I make pretty often. One of them being, uh, crispy tortellini with prosciutto and peas oh hello so it's frozen frozen peas frozen tortellini prosciutto uh i think lemon and marscapone that's oh
0: wow
1: and it's just salty and creamy and lots of good textures and it's that is one of my favorites it's super easy to make i usually make it a couple times a month um yum love that Um, budget bites is also a pretty good website that I use, especially if, uh, you're a cook who one is conscious about like how much you're spending Mm -hmm. on a recipe. Like I always hate recipes that like require this one niche ingredient. Oh yeah. The minute
0: a recipe says halibut, I'm like, why do you think I'm going to spend my mortgage payment on a fish? Like, what are you doing?
1: It's (laughs) it's good with like portions too. Because uh, normally I'm either cooking for one person or two people. So I don't need a meal that's like no. for five. Um, and also something I think I discovered this year, and I think I mentioned it on a previous podcast episode, but it's called the Chunky Chef. Um,
0: oh, you sent me a recipe from this and I was like, oh, well, if it's from the Chunky I Chef, I, yeah, I, I can't it.
1: remember what recipe it was, but they have a really good search function as well. So you can search by ingredients, what sort of course, what sort of like cuisine you're looking for. If you want to use any of your gadgets, like if you want something for the Instant Pot, if yep. you want something for your slow cooker. Yep. So super great, like searchable website, Um, depending on like what you're looking for.
0: I'm getting or hungry. Like, I know. No, I'm um, hungry
1: love the chunky chef. So that's typically like the three that I use that have very good search functions. Um, because like I started doing a CSA this year.
0: Oh yeah. You've made some pornographic meals with your, and
1: sometimes they like send me things and I'm like, I don't know what the hell am I going to do with this? And so yesterday I can't remember if it was the chunky chef or not, but I got a lot of squash. And so I made these like parmesan squash chips in the oven um so just like little crispy squash bites with like melty parmesan on top of them and they were delicious and it's like three ingredients or like salt and pepper squash cheese um so those are my my three suggestions
0: i make the smitten kitchen I call it grown-up SpaghettiOs, but it is... Yes, um, I've
1: made it after you recommended it.
0: It's so good. It is not Cacio e Pepe. It is Pasta y Ceci. Good job, Brain. Excellent also, work. I'm very proud the chunky, of you, Brain. The, the
1: Chunky Chef recipe I made was uh, the ma- the baked mac and cheese.
0: Oh, yeah. That's the one you sent to me. Mm. Mm, very good. One other cookbook that I do love a lot is uh, one pan wonders from America's Test Kitchen. I make about four or five different recipes from that on pretty pretty frequently. And then the multi cooker perfection cookbook is great for things like risotto or instant pot mac and cheese. My younger child does not like mac and cheese. He doesn't like melty cheese. He doesn't like thick foods generally. He loves this macaroni and cheese. It is so good. The secret is that when you cook the pasta and the water in the instant pot, you add powdered mustard, and it adds such good flavor to the pasta. It's incredibly good. I I could eat it right now. I could eat it right this second. It's 11 in the morning.
1: If if people are unsure about cookbooks, I feel like America's Test Kitchen, their cookbooks are pretty solid. Yeah. Um, One of my favorite cookbooks is their – Complete Vegetarian Cookbook. Oh, that's a
0: good one.
1: They have this recipe that's like eggplant in Voltini. You roll it up. You take like a little cheese bomb, essentially, (laughs) and roll (laughs) (laughs) roll the like eggplant around this little cheese bomb and you like bake it. And it's just so good. But yeah, so so I, you know, America's (laughs) Test Kitchen (laughs) knocks it out of the park.
0: We are also making this week... Uh, falafels, which is when you make f- falafel batter and you cook it in the waffle iron. Ooh. It is so good. The secret to falafel is actually not cooking your chickpeas. You soak dried chickpeas and then you just chop them. You soak them overnight and then you chop them up in the food processor with, you know, garlic and parsley and everything else. But when you cook them in the waffle iron, they get nice and flat and crispy and chewy on the inside, and all of the little divots hold the tahini and the vegetables, and it's that so that sounds good. delicious.
1: But I usually don't have the for, foresight. Like if to, I like I want to make something now, and then I read the recipe that's like this needs to rest in a thing for eight hours. I'm yeah, like, fuck, and I'm you're not and you're a
0: mood eater, then. so you're like I want falafel now, not tomorrow night.
1: I, yeah, I don't have that sort of advanced <laughs> planning for food.
0: That's one of the things I love about the pasta and chickpeas recipe. If I have the pasta and the chickpeas and some tomato paste, I can make this recipe, in, and I can I can fudge everything else. Yeah, yeah. And it's very easy to have pasta and cans of chickpeas and tomato paste in the house. Also, like they I think last Smitten forever. Kitchen
1: has that like. Pasta sauce recipes where it's just like canned tomatoes and
0: an onion. Oh, and butter. Let it
1: like simmer. And
0: I made that on vacation. That recipe so is easy. so easy. I was in a condo in Utah in, oh, this was January, 2020. This was probably one of the last things we did. This was when we first started hearing about COVID it was, was Christmas 2019, early 2020. Um, You get a can of Italian tomatoes, some butter and half an onion.
1: So yeah, that's all it is. And I it's forgot so to easy. buy
0: the onion and the onion was like way down the mountain and I was already pretty low on oxygen. But I went to the restaurant in the snowboarding, the ski resort, and I went into the, to the um, buffet and I'm like, listen, I forgot to buy an onion. Can I buy an onion from you? And they were like. You want to, like, the whole onion? And I was like, yeah, I just, I need an onion. onion. I don't want to go all the way down the mountain to the grocery store. I, and just for one onion, I'm feeling really dumb, but I will buy an onion from you. And the head chef's like, don't worry, I got you. Disappears and comes back with an onion because it's a food service place. <sighs> yeah. This onion is as big as my head. It was mass. It was the biggest <gasps> onion. It was, like, two-hander. I. It was in, And then I had to ride my snowboard while holding it. <laughs> <laughs> this big-ass onion, bigger than both of my breasts, put together. And I'm, like, just holding this onion and snowboarding down the mountain. So I get on the lift with the onion at that point. The lift operators, who are usually a little baked, were like, hey, nice onion. I'm like, well, thank you. And they were like, no, You're the like mountain.
1: Someone, someone needs to make this into a portrait. Just Sarah, <laughs> Sarah a snowboarding,
0: snowboarding with, onion. with this giant – it was so huge. It was a massive yeah. onion. But – when you mix the – you just put the cut onion in the tomatoes and the butter and let it yep. simmer, and it is so good. So delicious. <laughs> I don't recommend snowboarding with, a like, a two-pound onion. With an onion. Was so, <laughs> it was so big. And getting off the lifts on a snowboard is not exactly easy. I'm getting better and better, but it's still like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. I can't drop the onion.
1: <laughs> and now you've got an onion. And now
0: on. I have an onion to worry about. Yeah. hmm Right. Yeah. <laughs> So those are our recipe suggestions. Yes. We, have, we have many. I do like cooking. We will be right back with more. But first, this podcast is brought to you in part by Rothy's. It is 2021 and no one has time for uncomfortable shoes. Definitely not me. And that is where Rothy's comes in. Rothy's has surveyed thousands of their customers. And the number one word used to describe their shoes is comfy. However, they ask me, I would say washable. Rothy's are stylish and comfortable, and they are washable, it is my favorite thing about them. They are lightweight, they are easy to travel with, and if they get dirty, I chuck them in the washing machine and they come out looking perfect. I wear them, I look dressed up, and even if it's hot and my hands and my feet get puffy, I'm still comfortable. You can start the summer off on the right foot haha, with bestsellers like their flats, loafers, and sneakers. They've got spacious, washable handbags, perfect for summer getaways, and they just launched a men's line with the same comfort and attention to detail created with nearly zero waste. I love something that is high in comfort and style and extremely low maintenance to take care of, and this would be why I own about six pair of Rothy's. I also have a coupon, and this is very exciting because this usually doesn't happen, To help you welcome summer in style, Rothy's is doing something special. That's right. They gave us the chance to share this super rare opportunity with our listeners for a limited time. Through August 1st, 2021, you can get $20 off your first purchase of $100 or more at rothys.com slash sarah. That's rothys, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash sarah. Trust us, you do not want to miss this. Head to rothys.com slash Sarah to find your new favorites today. And now back to my conversation with Amanda about pretty much everything. Amanda says, this might have been covered before, but do you ever find yourselves reading seasonally certain times of books at certain times of the year? I'm looking forward to this episode. Your chats are always my favorite. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. You don't really do this.
1: No, not really. I mean, I don't read seasonally. There will be some times that, like, I'm in the mood to reread a certain book, but that mm-hmm. is few and far between, and it's only, like, a couple books, um, one of which is It Happened One Autumn by Lisa Kleypas, my favorite of the Wallflower series. Um, I will read that one every so often, and then... um. I start. I found this book in high school. It's called Battle Royale by Koshun Takami. It is like the Hunger Games pre-Hunger Games.
0: Is this the book that the Hunger Games was based on? Allegedly,
1: I think so. Uh, post-apocalyptic, sort of. Uh, every year, a sort of like penance for an uprising. A ninth-grade class uh, is randomly selected, and they get sent to like a, this isolated area and essentially have to fight to the death
0: um wow that sounds like the hunter games wow <laughs> and the winner
1: gets like this like lifetime pension or whatever are they but, divided like,
0: into four houses by a magic hat
1: yeah. no but they is each there get, a closet like, a random... with a lion
0: in it <laughs> no
1: no they each get like a random bag of like water rations a map and like a random weapon like some poor sap gets
0: like a fork I got a mascara wand. I actually know. I have an onion. That's my weapon.
1: I have an onion. Um, <laughs> and then, like, on the map is, like, a grid. Yeah. And so every I think, like, every hour or whatever, there's an announcer. And he's, yeah. like, you know, H4 is <laughs> off limits. And if you go into H4, your head will explode because everyone has, like, exploding collars. It's very graphic. Wild.
0: Is this um, a book or a manga? a book oh wow but i
1: think they made it into a manga and a terrible movie don't watch the movie um
0: what the hunger games
1: <laughs> no don't sorry. i mean yeah that also counts um, <laughs> but i would read this every summer i lent it to friends i lent like my mother read it wow it was like so beat up i think i lost it somewhere but like It was probably my most, like, traveled book in terms of, like, lending it to people. Um, Would
0: you reread it now?
1: I would reread it now. Um, I don't have my copy anymore. So, but I think those are the only two books that I...
0: What if there was a place where you could acquire books? Like a place where you acquire books and you get an employee discount?
1: Okay, so the thing is, is I'm very picky in that the edition I had... Um. So they they have a new cover now, but oh, the edition always. I had had a different cover. So the cover that I had was a red cover, and there's there are two students, like a silhouette of two students stand sit like on the front of the cover, and the negative space in between the students made up a rifle. Oh, so that is a I think like that's a book that I have read the most in terms of rereading. I get that reading is comforting mm-hmm. but some of that enjoyment is a little taken away when I already know what's gonna happen. So, uh, like there's not that first time experience
0: I get it, I get it. yeah, I don't necessarily do seasonal reading except maybe in the fall
1: hmm oh, and we have done I went and looked three Fall reading posts.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I think yeah. it's, I think for me, it's in the Northern Hemisphere, when it's fall, it starts to get cold, you go inside, you you want to, you know, snuggle under some blankets, and it, it, it there's always a different kind of reading that happens for me seasonally, but it's not like there's the same type of reading every time. Yeah. One thing I will say, though, I think this summer, summer 2021, in romance is baking baking competitions, baking romances, food romances, food trucks. And it, it, and like I said in the last episode, does it have an illustrated cover? It's contemporary. You're good. So, so this summer is all food, food trucks, food competitions, baking. There's a lot of books about baking. This fall, there are so many books with witches. Yeah. There, it's, it's like somebody heard me say, wow, I could really go for more witch romance. And holy shit, there are so many. <laughs> Many, like it's incredible how many there are, okay. There's a letter to three witches. There's witch, please. There's payback the Pay witch. there's cackle. There's the x hex. <laughs> yeah. X. Yeah. There's um witches get stitches. Like there are so many friggin' witch books. And that's not a trend of two. Like I'm like, oh, it's two books. It's a trend. No, that was seven. Seven books that I can name, mostly because I have them on a list in front of me because (laughs) that's how I manage things on a spreadsheet. But there this fall, if you like witches, you are so in luck. A ton. Deeply, deeply in luck. But I am curious. I know other people read seasonally. And I know for some people, once the Christmas and the holiday books roll in, they are like Hallmark Channel and Lifetime on one hand and Christmas romances on the other. I give them to my neighbors because I don't read them. <laughs> Norette asks I would love some recommendations for contemporary cozy mysteries that have a romance element. We have done this rec league and we have lists, and this is definitely one of my favorite types. Of of romance and it's or or mysteries and it's particular because sometimes a cozy mystery will just skip over all of the negative parts of death to the point where I'm like, are you people even sapient? Like, do you have feelings? Like, there was a dead body and it, they disappear like a non playing character in a video game. They just zoom, and the dead body has become a reason for us to do things, but it's not actually a real <laughs> death. That's fine. So I struggle sometimes with cozy mysteries where death is like oh yeah sure dead things dead dead people happen in this town every week have you seen our tv show like someone's always dying and no one is suspicious here in this yeah, town like, why
1: isn't anyone worried that we've had like four dead bodies in the space of a month
0: yep that was one of my favorite elements of the book they never learn because this woman has been very carefully plotting and killing terrible men for years and finally someone's like wait a minute Wait a darn second. Wait a minute. This college has an absurdly high body count. And then there's a task force because they're like, wait, wait, wait. That's a lot of dead people. Maybe we should do something, like form a task force. <laughs> but we have links for this we will put in the show notes. And Amanda has some suggestions as well.
1: I just have a couple. Um I think dial a for aunties, like Jesse Q Sutanto has like a romance element. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, um, and it's
0: a silly cozy.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like uh, one of my friends described it as Crazy Rich Asians meets Weekend at Bernie's.
0: Yeah, I think that's the book pitch.
1: Oh, is it? I yeah, know. I think
0: that's Erin calls it that. This is one yeah. of her titles. I yeah. think
1: it's like a kind of a fair comparison. That yeah, the family puts on like events and weddings for. Very wealthy, like, Asian, like, South Asian, East Asian families. And, you know, a dead body gets shipped to a wedding by mistake. Um, Oops. And then I think Charlene Harris's Aurora Tea Garden series.
0: That's a pretty good suggestion. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I tried book one. Not for me, but I'm also not much of a cozy mystery reader either. So, you know, I'm not the targeted audience, but it's Charlene Harris. So I think everything she writes kind of has a romantic element to it. A little bit. Um, Yeah. But those are my two suggestions. We have a rec league that was like mysteries with romance crossover appeal. A lot of them are historical mysteries, but there's some other like more contemporary cozies in there. There's
0: some contemporaries Um, in the comments for sure.
1: And that was a very popular one. I feel like the last two to three years, like cozy mysteries and historical mysteries with romance were having a a moment.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of the genres are starting to overlap more and more. There's a lot more fantasy romance, and then there's fantasy romance and fantasy YA romance. Yeah. Somebody had emailed me because they were looking for um, paranormal historicals that weren't werewolves and vampires, and they were like, well, if I search paranormal historical romance, I get
1: it's a fantasy.
0: Exactly. I get wherewolves like. Very
1: it. strong opinions about the line between paranormal and fantasy.
0: So paranormal is more creatures and fantasy yeah. is uh abilities and environment. Yeah. I mean that's a pretty good demarcation, right?
1: I would say so. That's how I would describe it.
0: Speaking of Sherry would like to know what trend in romance are you most excited for in the next few (laughs) years? This is so shitty of me. I'm going to be a complete ass. And I own that right now. I recognize that the marketing of books is not for me because I'm already in. Like, If you are trying to entice people into the world of romance, I am already deep in the back of the amusement park. I know all the places to get food. These are not for me, but... (laughs) I'm a little tired of the illustrated covers. They all look the same and I can't tell them apart. I mean, ask Amanda, ask Amanda, how many times, how many times am I like, okay, so what's the one with the yellow and the hair? The, The illustrated covers for me are becoming a giant monolith of primary colors. And I can't remember what books look like anymore because there are so many and they all look the same. And I understand that they work. I understand they work so good and they are gorgeous. And I love some of the illustrations. I'm not saying the art isn't good. The art is great. There's so many. Like I looked at a wall of here's our hot summer romances. And I'm like, you want me to remember words now? I used to remember cover images. And now I can't because if I say it was an illustrated cover with a dude and a girl, well, I'm going to be buried under books. So that's what I want.
1: I'm a terrible person. I get a little curmudgeonly about people shitting on illustrated covers.
0: Please note, I am not shitting upon them. Yeah, I am just confused by by them. Oh, it does. People have very strong feelings against them. I understand that.
1: And I get that, like sometimes an illustrated cover conveys like this is a rompy, like rom com, and inside it's not the case. Yeah, a couple of those mixed messages, but. From a selling standpoint and from a bookseller standpoint, I have tried to hand sell clinch covers and mass markets to people who come into a bookstore. They will not have it. Nope. Like they won't. I've had Completely people- Completely different think, audience. I've had people say, oh no, I can't read that when I try to hand sell When a Scott Ties the Knot by Tessa Dare. Yeah. So like I can understand the criticism of the- packaging doesn't match what's inside that's totally fair and valid especially like if you want something light and you read it and it's angsty and maybe triggering for you or whatever yeah but like also it's done a lot for the genre and if you want romance to keep selling you're gonna
0: have to deal with it I mean it sells it works it does. It is a trend that is working and and I still get press inquiries like, hey, I'm writing an article and what's with all of these illustrated covers? And I'm like, well, um, it is a trend because it is profitable. It I'm and super it- boring. It's profitable. And that is why. Thanks very much. We'll be here Korea, all week.
1: It's good for new readers who. Yeah
0: it's a it's it's visually attractive, aside from the homogeneity of the covers when you look at a like a an anticipated list, I feel like whatever comes next is going to be astonishing to break out of that homogeneity. Whatever Why? works and and grabs the audience and makes the book like a visual accessory, to the degree to which the illustrated covers have done that. Like, I get all of the things about why they're appealing, and I completely understand why they work. Like, I get it. I am so curious to see what breaks through the homogenous production value into something new that says this is a romance.
1: I really don't know. I like, don't know either. So in today's books on sale, uh, for example, there's an erotic contemporary that's on sale um, that came out in the, like, early – like I think came out like, 2012 or 2013 – um, and it reminded me of that trend, a la Fifty Shades, of like erotic contemporaries having like the single item on the cover, right?
0: <laughs> yes, but it was always like a like a, a uh,
1: link a, or right. It was ring. some
0: accessory that was masculine coded, and I used to joke that yeah. they're going to start using the suspenders that keep your socks up <laughs> and some tie stays. But like and- I.
1: Like bless my grad school professors who would give me assignments that had to do with my interests, but like I had to do a report on like how fifty shades changed uh romance packaging and marketing, oh
0: God, didn't it?
1: um but yeah, so i don't I don't think I can predict what the next thing will be,
0: whatever see the thing is with with publishing, there are some really talented artists working with publishing, and Maybe the illustrations will grow more ornate. I also, I also like the almost like the paper cut style, where each layer has yeah. a shadow, where it looks like a like a collage. Have maybe, you seen the
1: cover of Tokyo maybe? Ever After? No. So it's like a Princess Diaries new YA, um, mm-hmm. but the it's got a paper cut sort of style, and also like I've said this before, and I'll say it again: YA covers are just. Killing
0: it! Oh, they're gorgeous. Oh, it. it's beautiful. Isn't it beautiful? That's a beautiful. It's almost like a, a collage and a flat lay had a baby. Yes, it's gorgeous.
1: I think it's and it's that picks really
0: up on pretty. the trend of social media flat lays where everything is photographed straight down from above with with very diffuse light. There's no harsh angles. It's all yeah. very very lit from around. It, yeah, it. I do not know how to appeal to an audience that isn't me. I'm already in the house. I'm already in the kitchen. I'm already, you know, I'm already fluent in this and I'm already on board. You don't have to sell the cover to me. I don't, have strong feelings about what the cover looks like in terms of the book you, i'm going to want to read, wanna read
1: digitally it digitally a lot too so yes. you don't even see the cover most of the
0: for time. me the challenge is because of how all how, how sameness there is how much sameness there is i can't tell them apart and i can't remember them enough because my brain the reason habbo exists is because that's how my brain is I don't remember titles and authors, and I used to remember covers, but now they're all the same, so I can't do that. So I'm like, uh, you know, the one with the um, the guy who did the thing, and Amanda's like, oh, so da, 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 thank yeah, you. That, that's how my brain is. That's why <laughs> Habbo exists, because that's how my brain is all the time. It is a hot miracle that I can ever make a recommendation with the cover and the author and the title. and It's usually because I have it in a spreadsheet. <laughs> Brawler requests recommendations.
1: Brawler! Brawler. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Brawler is a frequent um, audience member. I don't know. Of the Smart, Smart, Twitches, yes. Smart Twitches Twitch channel, Brawler is wonderful. So, Hi, Brawler! Hi, Brawler! Brawler says, I like action, survival, sci-fi, and suspense setting, but too often those involve ultra-macho alpha heroes who are jerks or heroines who are also overpowered jerks. Smart, competent (laughs) characters are wonderful, jerks are not. Can you recommend books in those genres with more likable characters? Um, Julie James, first off, if you like suspense. Um, Yeah. And we've done a couple posts. We've done a rec league on what's called competence porn. We have, like, also a tag on the site for competence porn where – this is more of like Sarah's wheelhouse, where people are kind of like emotionally intelligent, emotionally fluent. Yep. Um, you know, like not really any danger banging or danger boning.
0: <laughs> danger <happening>. boning. <laughs> that was Elise's um, term. They're after us. We're in the stairwell. Time out for boning.
1: Time out for boning. We're we're in such danger that we're too horny. It's it's um, hard
0: to stop the horny pants.
1: Yes. So we have a couple of those. And then I think another adjacent rec league is our like more knowledgeable heroines rec league where um, I wouldn't say like the hero is like a beta hero, but the hero is comfortable taking like a backseat to the heroine who might be more knowledgeable about an industry, more knowledgeable, you know, in the bedroom, whatever. Um, So lots of like secure romantic partners. The series that Catherine has been reading and reviewing uh, by T. Kingfisher, uh, Paladin's Grace and Paladin's Strength, are those the... Yes. Yeah, so it's like fantasy, um, and I think they have some some good pairings.
0: And also, older... So there used to be romantic suspense, and then there also was what I called adventure suspense, where it was meant less about, you know... uh, A coalition of evil fighting the alpha macho dude team six
1: special ops mercenary. Yes,
0: special ops, psychic vampire, Viking, reincarnated
1: warrior, warrior
0: guys. Yeah. No, it, it was more like ordinary people finding themselves in some weird situation, sort of like romancing the stone, random Action, survival, but romantic yeah. adventure. So Roxanne St. Clair used to write those. Cherry Adair used to write those. Early Zoe Archer is like that. But they're more, there's a magical paranormal element. Yeah. The, but the Compass Rose? Is it Compass yes. Rose series? No, what?
1: Blades of the Rose. Blades
0: of the Rose. Compass Rose was G- Gail Dayton. Good job, Brain. Thanks, Amanda.
1: You're welcome. <laughs> I would love some more adventure romance. Oh, yeah, Jones or like the Mummy or whatever.
0: That would that would be. You know, what trend are we excited for in the next few years? That would be a good one. I would love. Yeah, I also just
1: want more fantasy romances too. That's all I want. That's all you want. That's all I want.
0: Okay. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you again to Amanda for hanging out with me. Thank you to Garlic Knitter for the transcript. And thank you to our Patreon community for bringing us such delightful questions. We will definitely be doing this again. As always, I end with a terrible joke. And I love this joke. It is among my favorite things to find a joke so bad and then think, oh, I can't wait to tell everybody about this on the podcast. Are you ready? Here we go. What pan is the best pan to make sushi in? Give up? What pan is the best pan to make sushi in? Japan. <laughs> that is from most stomach 4240 on Reddit, and I am deeply grateful. <laughs> Japan. <laughs> on behalf of everyone here, we wish you a wonderful weekend and the very best of reading. We will be back next week. But until then, stay cool or warm if you're in the Southern Hemisphere. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find outstanding podcasts to listen to at frolic.media slash podcasts.